welcome to Forever Canon, <laughs> the podcast where we talk about how all the solo walkers do or do not get along. There is no try. They try. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. And this week on Forever Canon, we are into our second episode of New Jedi Order, book one, Vector Prime. By R.A. Salvatore, A. E. I don't know what how you say his name. Is, you know, is it even you Salvatore? Know, it actually reminds me of like it. It reminds me of like hockey players, where like sometimes it's hard to get a straight answer out of out of an athlete how to pronounce their name properly. Mm-hmm. And specifically, there have been <laughs> why is this? Why am I doing this right now? No. Specifically, there have been people I remember that like changed the pronunciation of their name. For example, actually very specifically, John Tavares. When he showed up, he was like, hey, it's Tavares. And then, like, the next year, they asked him again, and he was like, hey, it's Tavares. So, like, you don't know. Mm -hmm. You don't know yourself, maybe. What was my original point? Great writing by R.A. Salvad last name. (laughs) Uh, Salvatore, uh, insert whatever vowel sound you think is most appropriate. Yep. None or some. Maybe one with an accent. All right, guys, listen. We're (laughs) nine and a half hours late on this podcast already. Yes, I've been drinking. Yes, sports are bad today. But you know what's really good? Bum, bum, bum. Previously on Forever Canon, Mara is deadly sick. And Jaina is deadly and sick. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. A a Yuzhan Vong removes his human disguise with blissful pain. Jason and Luke meet the New Republic Council and judge him for us. Naminor is a terrible host, and Anakin makes Chewie mad. <laughs> that was last week, where the first four chapters really, like, really just kicked us off with all the things we need to know about all of the characters and the main conflict and the sub-conflict. Yeah. Like, all of our main characters, here's how they interact with each other, and here's a snippet of who they are. Mm. Uh, from from Jason and Jaina and Anakin, the solo kids, to their parents, Han and Leia, and sidekick Chewie. And then we get R2 and 3PO in there, who are always traveling with them. Luke we get, and Mara, we get them. Uh, bits of their personality, the most core pieces of all their personality, and their conflicts. Jason and Luke are butting heads as Master and Apprentice, right? Mara's deadly sick. Mm-hmm. That's wow. her big one. There's just the first four chapters set everything up and then showed us this Yuzhan Vong threat very clearly, mm-hmm. much more clearly and succinctly than I remember being shown at the beginning of the yeah. series at the be- beginning of the very first book. I don't know. A lot more told to us than I remembered, but that was last week. Mm-hmm. This week we start with chapter five. Titled, which by the way, I am loving having chapter titles. That's new. I gotta write these in my notes, so dude, I dude. Yeah, because I want you to have an idea of about each have an answer about each of them at the end of every chapter. Cause I'm gonna ask you every time. Cause I am loving having these chapter titles after three years of just like sometimes we had like excerpts 
that were like uh, extraneous to the story, right? Like a news article or something, or like mm-hmm. a conversation in a cafe that's just kind of fleshing out the rest of the world or the conflict uh, greater. But man, I don't know why having chapter titles feels so fundamental. <laughs> it's like it just I don't know and then I guess the process of reading everything more closely and then stopping at the end of everything and going what does the chapter title mean like something about that is just very much for the podcast it gives me a real sweet detective feel okay All I don't right. know you know what I mean like it's like here's a hint read the read the chapter now tell me what that hint meant and then reflect and <laughs> right yeah. Like, it's just, it's really, it's, it's built into, uh, it's built in perfectly for this podcast. And I love it. Anyways, chapter five. Okay. <laughs> Whoa. I've never talked this long before starting. <laughs> chapter five. The war coordinator. Not a false start. Danny Kui, an ex-gal team, which by the way, let's reflect on that name for a second. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure about that last name. Danny Kui, an ex-gal team, Shiver and Quiff. And see their galact- extra galactic, excuse me, asteroid heading for ice planet Helska 4. So we all, <laughs> I've, I've destroyed Tim. So we better all call the New Republic now. This this thing that came in from the outside of the galaxy is going to go smash up a big ice ball planet. So we better call somebody now. Yeah, because cool things are happening. Yeah, well, and also it's like, um, we don't want to tell them after. <laughs> 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 we should probably tell them before, right? But whoops, we can't call anybody because all the phone lines are down. Dun, dun, dun. Horror movie style. Mm-hmm. And the more I get into this X-Gal 4 team and Danny Kui and Yeoman Carr, the more I am reading it like a horror movie. And it's horrific. It's hor- it's terrifying. Yeah. It's very scary. Yeah, um, we get some, especially the more we get to look at this guy and his insidious... Yeah, all the machinations yeah. he's been pulling off behind the scenes, and then the few th- things that we've seen in the scenes, mm-hmm. right, in the first four chapters. For example, the phone lines are down. And then we cut to Prefect Degara, a Yuzhan Vong on the not asteroid, directing his team to speed up. The Yamask and he are both eager and impatient to get things started after all these years of planning and preparation and crossing that extra galactic space. Mm-hmm. How do you speed up an asteroid? That's not an asteroid. The answer is Dovin Basils. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't know how you how how you guys all want to pronounce this. Okay, that's what I say. That, that's how it sounds in my brain. Dovin Basils could be Basals, could be Dovines. I don't know. Somebody call Kevin and get the weirdest possible pronunciation <laughs> pride out of him. But <laughs> Dovine Basal. That would actually be pretty fun to do. Right now. <laughs> but Dovin Basils are the answer, and I'm gonna read a little excerpt about them because as you, as far as Yuzhan Vong technology goes, it's important. Mm-hmm. Dovin Basils. The organisms that propelled the world ship, possessed of the ability to lock onto specific gravity fields to the exclusion of all others, even to gravity fields millions of kilometers away, the adult three meter spherical Dovin basils worked like perpetual thrusters. And the more they focused their line, the greater they pulled. 
the the pole. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both. They are spheres. They're living plant or animal yeah. spheres that can sniff out gravity and pull themselves towards it. Yeah. So I'm in this description. They're right? like attached to the to the ship in some way, and yep. they just. They, that's how they pull that's, them along. That's your gravitational propeller. Yeah. What an interesting and alien technology. How do we move through space in Star Wars? Jet fuel and hyperdrive, which is just special or fuel. <laughs> that makes you go through the dimension quicker or something. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's, got, it's always got a special knob. Yeah. They're like, what really is hyperspace travel i don't know but this new alien technology this propulsion technology of like a, a, a gravitic propellant is as a as a creature yeah these guys are interesting right yeah then they and these these creatures are attached to the sides or on the inside however it works uh, their ships are made of coral like they right. they're actually made of the, everything's living or previously living all the living technology propels the world ship Mm -hmm. world ship guided by a big headed tentacle beast okay flashbacks (laughs) all right we just covered a tentacle beast yes we did and i don't think they're related but that's scary yeah anyways a big headed tentacle beast runs the ship and he told the scar man to speed up the gravity sniffing blobs Welcome to the Yuzhan Vong. Okay? I don't know how more <laughs> succinctly to describe these people, but this is where we're at. There's a, there's a lot of gelatinous type creatures that they deal with. My gosh. Cut to the asteroid is a comet, says the science team, because it has a tail. Yeoman Carr thinks to himself, nope. <laughs> Quote, trailing tendrils were huge membranous creatures, of course, Mm -hmm. (laughs) anchored and piloted, no, anchored by, excuse me, piloted coral skippers, whatever that means. Piloted is a threatening word, though, Mm -hmm. right? Like, someone's in control of whatever this craft is. I don't know what any of this means yet in the context of the story, (laughs) but the science team is isolated with no communications and stranded out here at the edge of the galaxy with this incoming threat of living freaky knowledges. Yeah. Scary. They, they don't Horror know about yet. Even as it is, it's they're thinking that it's going to blow apart a planet when it runs into it. What a perfect <laughs> segue you just gave me to my next line. Cut to the world ship gently splats onto <laughs> the surface of the ice planet. As Prefect Degara puts on his starfish intubation water breather living technology and joins 5,000 Yuzhan Vong warriors and the Yamask tentacle thing slides itself from the ship out onto the surface of the ice planet to do its job, which is to smash its Maggie Simpson Kang Fang into the planet's crust <laughs> and create a tunnel to bore down that a worm can fill the, the huge hole so it can't freeze over. And now we have 
a living <laughs> so skin-lined passage through into the depths of the heart of an ice planet. Where this bulbous-headed tentacle beast is leading us and headed mm-hmm. with a purpose and a goal. Yep. What that may be, I don't know. That was such a fun description of what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's actually, you know, it's a couple of pages or a few paragraphs at least of like some really cool science fiction gross out writing. Mm-hmm. You know, I said it in a silly way, uh, Maggie Simpson Kang Fang. Yeah. But I'm not wrong. That's how I picture like a singular tooth, it says. Yeah. And it just starts like jackhammering this tooth into the ice until all of a sudden you're down to yeah. the planet core. And, and they all <laughs> jump into this tube. Yeah, they do. Uh, it's like under this ice with their Oogleth cloakers on, which are like the mask things, but yeah. they cover your whole body to pr- like a wetsuit. Like a wet, like an airtight vac suit. Even. Yeah. Like they could probably float in the vacuum of space for a limited amount of time because mm-hmm. it is a living thing. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> stick a starfish on your face that... Pokes its tube down your throat and breathes the water inside your body and turns it into oxygen for you to breathe. Uh, <laughs> super gross out no team and is is awful here. But what is a Yamisk? Mm-hmm. And what are they up to here at Helska 4? Smashing down into the planet core. Yeah, because as far as the scientists were concerned, it was just a ball of ice. Like there wasn't much going on with it. Yeah, there's no life. There's no sign of activity. It's just they expected it to get blown into ice shards. And they weren't concerned about a planet being blown up. That's how unimportant it is. But then we cut to Danny can't get word out. Communications are down at the station. So they're going to fly a rickety old ship all the way out to Helska 4. And they're going to call the New Republic on the way. Yeoman Carr, Yuzhan Vong's spy, loves this plan. that's 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 it man that's this chapter in a nutshell right this is a this is a cool chapter i don't know you know we kind of got into the same thing in the last series where the coolest parts were revelation and exploration of the villains Mm -hmm. and just like this mysterious thing you don't know anything about and just tell me tell me tell me right yeah but these guys are a whole different (laughs) a whole different group and a whole different thing and in this chapter like there's a really cool ominous tension building Mm -hmm. with this this horror movies or the uh, just this horror fiction situation that's building right yeah because there's a secret saboteur amongst them who's from a different invading species they don't know it he sabotaged the communications on the station he has sabotaged their readings and their perspective of the information and their decisions of what to do. Oh, it's very, it's very much like under the surface, just simmering, ready to boil over. Mm -hmm. Oh, the living creature tech blows my mind every time. It's so cool. And speaking of which, let's talk about the chapter title who, or maybe what, is the war coordinator. Originally, I would want to say Prefect Dagara. Mm-hmm. But in that scene, he goes to the Yamask, Yamask, 
to get orders. Yeah. Of what to do. So the fat headed tentacle beast thing is in charge. The Maggie Simpson Kanger Fanger is in charge and I just think danger danger. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was dumb, but I liked it. Uh, like the only other thing I can think of about because that's who's leading the charge right now, or that is what is leading the charge. Right. Is that yeah. Yamisk thing. Yep. The who or what. But the only thing I think of is orders from someone else. Maybe they're it's too far away for the, the villip things to work. I don't know. But right now, that's that's leading. P.S. 5,000 warriors. Yeah. So what are they here for? In the title, war. Yep. Chapter 6. Take me far, far away. Hey, I get it. <laughs> like to another galaxy in a movie theater maybe a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Right? Come on. We'll see. The Jade Saber is two hours from Coruscant. A far, far away time. And the Solo Walker women are on board after the disastrous meeting with Naminor. Leia's called him several times since on the flight back, and he always answers to tell her he's too busy. Yeah. <laughs> brilliant, <laughs> brilliant, chaos, troublemaker, bad attitude, disrespect, bad guy stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, that's great. Answers the phone every time and goes, I'm too busy to talk. Click. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so rude. <laughs> that's how you know he's a bad guy. He's being rude to Princess Leia. He's yeah. a bad guy. One of the prime... In case there's uh, any doubt left, even after the first four chapters. Because she has a little bit of um, self-reflecting going on here about how she's always been looked at as one of the most, um, like, hot, best negotiators and diplomats. And and then she's a lot, like, gotten away from all this stuff and she keeps getting pulled this back is in. Such a, this is such a black mark on her reputation. Yeah, it's so... Things are guy, spurring out of control over there at Ramamul and She Osari. can't get past this guy's just overall attitude. Disrespect! Yeah. Complete disrespect of everything that she's ever done. Want to know why? And she doesn't know this? He ain't from here. and he, So he don't care what you've done in this town. No. I ain't from here. And he's not trying for peace. He doesn't want no, that. Oh, that's the other thing. He's not negotiating in good faith. And of course you would assume someone would be. But Leia is being trolled by Yuzhan Vong. And I kind of dig that. Jaina, meanwhile, drools over a newer, bigger Mon Calamari ship. Yes. Some bigger version than the Mon Cal cruiser that we just saw at Ramamul. Yeah, it's like twice the size or something. It's bigger. And Leia drools over her awesome daughter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Look how confident she is flying and stuff and like, ah. She's just great. You know, I, as a parent, I doubt her, but, you know, what's wrong with me, huh? Jeez. <laughs> That's essentially Leia's inner monologue in this little segment here. Yeah. Mara wakes up crying from a dream. Those sleepy Skywalkers, am I right? Mm-hmm. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Except Mara's badass. And actually, while she was sleeping, she fought off the illness as it attacked her womb. Yeah. It in her sleep, mm-hmm. as though it's sentient and waited for her to be inattentive. That's what it sounded These like. Spoon cores. 
<laughs> Go ahead and listen to the last episode. That's not what they're called. But man, she's... We're being told repeatedly, repeatedly, how on the edge of death she is, but also how resiliently tough and strong that she is. Mm-hmm. This is Mara Jade Skywalker. She fought it off in her sleep. In case it's your first introduction to her ever, she can fight off a sentient virus in her sleep. <laughs> but now she's worried about possibly, underline, having kids. Mm-hmm. Can I? Will they get this disease? Will it kill them? All like very relatable real life fears and apprehensions around illness and fertility in general, right? Yeah. It's a heavy subject that Leia and Mara have a beautiful sister bonding conversation about. Don't forget, they're sisters. And we don't get them alone very often over the course of the books that we've read. No, it's a few times maybe, but... Very rare Yeah, to get Leia and Mara just alone in a room. But we've got it several times already so far here. As though, you know, to reinforce... The, uh, not the intensity, but the importance. Man, that was, why was that word hard to find? <laughs> the, the, the importance of Mara's relationship with Jaina. Mara is Jaina's master. Mm-hmm. Jaina's the apprentice. And they're very close. And Leia has moments of, of jealousy over that, right? Because you can never reach your children the way an outside mentor can type of thing. But now she's worried that she can't have her own kids. And it all becomes this. This whole conversation between these two characters that we don't get enough time just alone together. Yeah. And then we cut to brother time. Where Anakin spends too much time with his lightsaber and not enough time thinking and understanding uh, the Force. <laughs> According to Big Brother Jason. Yeah. And their their views on it are, are two different ways. Like, Anakin sees it as a weapon... Uh, great weapon, but also responsibility. And Jason sees it as a way of serenity, truth, and knowledge. Looks like, and then he he has a different approach to it too. But like, it seems already like Jason doesn't get along with anyone. Yeah, he's, <laughs> had, he's got his own ideas already. He's very, uh, what's that word? Not a, I mean, argumentative is the word, but he's very another word. Like antagonistic. Yeah, that's that might be it. <laughs> it's. At odds with everybody, uh, and not like outwardly, like I hate you, but it's just, just like very defiant, yeah. oppositional. Yeah, the, the, those are the words. Those are the words. But anyways, uh, he he walks into the main hangar of the Millennium Falcon where his brother is practicing lightsaber things. Right. Yeah, which training. he practices all the time. Apparently, the training probe is floating around. I said so many things there. <laughs> little training probe probe is froding around so listen guys even you can host a podcast about things you have no business critiquing (laughs) anyways why don't we why don't we try to get back to the notes here while i literally try to find where i'm at in my notes big brother jason doesn't agree with the way that little brother anakin approaches the force we have a difference in philosophy and then we have to have an argument about it where, like you said, very correctly, and I quoted it even in quotes, and you nailed it. Anakin calls the Force a powerful weapon and a great responsibility, just like Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Right? That was my first thought, too. And Jason says, it's a method of serenity and truth. 
So they don't agree or get along too much. And they're 16 and 15. So 16 and 14, I'm not sure. One of those two options. Yeah, mid-teens. And they don't get along. Okay. Or they disagree about, you know, the most important thing in the world. About their, their what, faith? <laughs> kind Essentially, of. Essentially, about the way that they practice their magic. Yeah. And I don't mean, I do, I guess I do mean literally practice, but also just, you know, anyways, the way that they attend their magic. But, mm-hmm. of course, you know, Jason's got to have an argument. He's got to have something to say. And so Anakin decides we're going to just solve this a different way. Fight me. <laughs> oh, yeah? You think you're right? Fight me. Yeah. <laughs> use your way. I'll use my way. We'll see what happens. Come on, teenagers. Isn't that the way to go? They close the Falcon's hatch and they get to fighting. Lightsaber sparring, which is the most dangerous kind of teenagers fighting. Yeah. Well, one wrong slip, somebody loses an arm. And speaking of one wrong slip, Anakin is angry mm-hmm. and being very aggressive. Uh-oh. What are we foreshadowing here from this namesake? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Jason, though, also follows his little brother's lead and gets vicious with his attacks. But then he uses calm to disarm Anakin and win. And as the winner, he gets the cool line at the end of the fight where he gets to say, quote, only when we are at peace within, can we think of acting properly upon battles in the wider galaxy? And kind of this, this basic philosophy uh, argument boils down to Anakin, a soldier, Mm -hmm. the weapon versus Jason, the philosopher. Yeah. Jason, the truth seeker. And he leaves to go find Han and Chewie electrocuting each other (laughs) during some, of course, as usual, tense repairs on the Falcon. (laughs) They still haven't fixed what Anakin broke. No. Dude, it's been been six chapters. Yeah, normally they they just skip to the Falcon working again. Like, what did he do? But no, we can't skip that now because we have to character build this family together. Yeah. And so this is a this is a like a pretty obvious and pretty good way to do it. How do you have everybody in one place bonding or expressing their relationships to the reader? Break their house. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, it's what you travel the galaxy and it's pretty much where you live, right? Other than sometimes kids at the academy and stuff like that. But what a good narrative uh, use of it, right? Like, yeah. I'm going to get everybody all together in one place at the beginning chapters of the book so I can show you how they all interact with each other for the most part, at least the important relationships. And if we want to, I guess, focus on that for a second. What have we been shown is going to be important relationships in this book so far? Mara and Jaina. Mm-hmm. Leia and Jaina and Mara. The three of them kind of together. Yeah. Luke and Jason. Jason and Anakin. We haven't seen Jason and Jaina interact yet. Nope. Which They've been spoken is a about. bummer for twins. Yeah. Right? Anyways. They've been spoken about. They're, they're two different. They're... Yeah different uh demeanors in that but that's it yeah for sure they've been compared and contrasted by you know by their mom (laughs) yeah but we haven't seen them speak to each other yet um so is that gonna be important we we get a lot of han and chewy and anakin as another little triangle of important relationship that we're gonna be exploring i don't know these are the things that are being repeated so far 
We've seen Luke and Jason together. We've seen now Jason and Anakin together. We've seen Leia and Mara multiple times where Leia's thinking about like, I'm jealous of her, but I love the relationship she has with my dad. Like it's being very bluntly told to us the, the dynamics that are going to be tested and tried in this book. Yeah. And maybe the whole series. I don't know. Right. When we're foreshadowing in the first book of a 19 book series, 19. Yeah. Mm hmm. I don't know how much of it is meant to carry to the end because how as you know, as writers and a, and a conglomerate team working together to tell a story with a publishing company, how can you possibly see to the end of 19 books? Yeah. And trust to get there. (laughs) I guess if you don't trust to get there and don't put all the foreshadowing, you never will. I just mixed will and would and didn't decide on either (laughs) one of those. You never will. But seriously though, right? Like if you don't treat it like you're going to get to that big payoff at the end and you don't put the sweet little hints in there, then your book is less interesting overall. And then maybe you don't get to the end. And you're not planning to get to the payoff. So like you said, it's never going to happen. So you never get there. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm -hmm. Anyways, I've gotten so far off topic that I don't even know where I began. Oh, these relationships are important. Yeah. <laughs> We're seeing a lot of, a lot of family, uh, a lot of like the cross family between Mara and Leia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause I don't know at this point how long Luke and Mara have been together. Well, but... they're all family in law. Luke and Mara have been yeah. married for, yeah, at least several years. It seems like Mara's over 40. Leia's over 40. So Luke is over 40. They're twins. Don't be fooled and think they might be born a few years apart. <laughs> Don't fall into that trap. Nobody would ever fall into that trap. <laughs> but, uh, all, <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe I got tricked by that one time. <laughs> Anyways, listen, man, I can't, even, I can't close this thought out. We got to go. We, we gotta keep moving. <laughs> yes, we do. These are the relationships that are gonna be important. Look at them. Jason leaves to find, like I said, Han and Chewie. God, are they ever battling with some zappy wire that's broken, and I love it. Yeah. He zaps him in the butt with it, and like <laughs> Jason's like, wow, Chewie really leapt out of that pit quite <laughs> quite gracefully, leisurely. But now, like, he, and the Han he got, has the wire in his head, pokes his head yeah, out he, with it. he sparks down the hole and smoke off the chewy butt. And he's like, ah, oh, I see what's happening here. <laughs> <laughs> and all of this, by the way, yeah. all of this confrontation between Han and Chewie is caused by which other person in the important relationship? Yep. Anakin Solo. The, the third one in the triad there. Right? Because he broke the ship doing cool moves like his sister. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. Something else really weird happens in this chapter here, okay? Chewbacca starts talking to Jason, and some of his speech gets textualized, I'll say. I don't know what word I should use. His grunts and groans get put into letters that get typed in a book. Did you not notice this? Some of Chewbacca talking is like, oh, Chewy Howl. Some, though, say, quote, Ah, ah, e, ah. Let me spell that for you. A, 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 h, comma, a, e, 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 a, 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 h. Or this other famous Chewbacca quote, 
You, we'd never forget him saying this from the original series. Ah, ah, ah. A, 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 H, H, A, 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 H, dash, A, A. Yeah. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Rob Salvatore, for putting that into letters. I just wanted, I just wanted to mention that. On the you podcast. know what? I didn't. I just. You didn't even. It didn't process, right? No, it's like. It's like when you're reading and you you like fill in words that you know go there. Same thing. It's just like okay, yeah. he's talking, he's talking. Okay, Jason's response because I know I'm not going to understand anything that yeah. might yeah. be there, and just skip. I gotta it. say that's a terrible way to read. By the way, <laughs> I just know I'm not going to stand understand what he's saying, so I skip it. Don't say that about Jason <laughs> Solo ever again. No, 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 I'm joking. I'm joking. I know he was talking to Jason. Yes, like, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Fake attack. False, whoa, false whoa, blood. Whoa. Oh man. Cut to Mara, Jaina, and C-3PO join the Falcon where everybody's having a good party. Everybody exchanges stories about the adventure that they've been on the first four chapters. Mm -hmm. Uh, Luke and Mara have a big hug, which is sweet. Mm -hmm. And we cut to Counselor Rodan talk some smack to Chewbacca (laughs) while he's, you know, going to accompanying Leia to her report at the Senate. About what happened with Worth Skitter <laughs> and uh, the uh, Osarian uh, Yeah, that whole pilots diplomatic that he thing. blew up. Yeah. This guy, who we were told we shouldn't like, by Jason Solo, who judged him correctly. Because he talks smack to Chewbacca, who then puts the man away. <laughs> on a hanger in the closet and i love chewbacca yeah just hung oh, him up in the closet oh man especially like these little moments of insight into his behavior mm. or like we get insight into his thinking through other characters response they always add that in like in their thoughts they always think for us what chewbacca's thinking you yes. know what i'm saying to yeah. get his point across but these moments where he's like the 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 narrator of the scene, that's not it. He's the viewpoint of the scene. Yeah, he's in the forefront oh, of it. Oh, yeah. man. He, he's like, all right, guy. Ah. Put him on a hanger. Put him in the closet. Yeah. I, I tried so hard to frame that and phrase it in a way where I didn't say he hung this guy. <laughs> and I think I did a good job. He puts the man away on a hanger in the closet. Yeah. Oh. Leaving him in the closet, we head to the ramp of the Millennium Falcon mm-hmm. to finish. Oh my God! To finish exchanging stories and planning the family vacation, and Leia is a genius. Anytime Lando was involved, even peripherally, situations seemed to get very compu, complicated, <laughs> very complicated. And usually dangerous. That's where the U sound came from. I was okay. reading ahead. My English teacher in high school told me that's a sign of somebody who's very smart because I did one of those dumb mistakes out loud in class. I don't know if she was trying to play game me or not. In truth, thank you, Mrs. Delphol. She wasn't particularly thrilled with her husband having any dealings with Lando. The man always seemed to pull Han into something on the very edge of disaster. Leia gets it. <laughs> Lando Calrissian My note. is a bad dude. Leia likes Lando about as much as Justin. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, especially, you know, think about it from the from 
his wife's perspective, Han's wife's yeah. perspective. Your husband goes missing for weeks at a time, and it's to do crime with his very questionably moral friend. Yeah. Uh, I don't love him then. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's definitely... It's his old drinking buddy that he always goes and gets in trouble with. It's definitely a reasonable uh, conclusion and assumption to make that Lando's going to get you in trouble. Because he does. Leia is genius. Yeah. Lando equals bad guy. <laughs> so, the title of the chapter... Take me far, far away. What does that mean? They're all leaving. We're planning. That's why I said we're leaving. (laughs) We're planning for a family vacation. We're getting ready to rock and roll. But they're also all avoiding things. Mm -hmm. I noticed. Mara is trying to avoid her illness as much as possible. Luke, while going to deal with the Jedi problems, is also trying to avoid the decision as long as he can, of whether or not to reestablish the council. These two brothers end their disagreement with an agree to disagree. They're avoiding their problems, right? I don't know. I feel like there's something bad in the air. Is it Lando? I don't know. I don't know. What else do you think? Take me far, far away. What else could it be? I, I don't know. Really. I don't know. Maybe this one's not like a super deep one. Right? <laughs> it's just everybody's, everybody's taken off. Uh, Wait. Okay. We're all about to leave. Check. But we're all about to be taken further and further away from what we think is actually happening in the galaxy towards reality. Mm -hmm. We're all about to be taken further and further out of our comfort zone as far as all the characters are considered. Because they're going to go out to the edge of the galaxy right now where there's crazy things happening, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe that's it. Okay. That just came to me now. Dog noises. Chapter 7. Launch. (laughs) Danny's looking for a co-pilot for the very uh, unspace-worthy vehicle that they're trying to take up all the way to another star system and planet. Taking the jalopy out for a ride. Yeoman Carr, on the other hand, is wondering if he should kill all these people in their sleep. Two types of people. I put up one finger. Mm Mm-hmm. He settles instead for sabotaging the ship. As if it's not in bad enough shape. <laughs> and Philip calls the prefect his boss. He has high praise for Yeoman and an honorable execution plan for Danny Carr. Also, the planet will be full of storms soon, so that's good. And Executive Nominor might need you uh, further in into the system. Yeah, they're going to... And- they're going to give her an honorable like execution, a sacrifice. Yeah. Because they're wondering, at first, the prefect wonders, should she be converted? So does that make the Yuzhan Vong just like a, a conglomeration of converted species then? Well, I would think not yet. Or maybe that's the or part unless, of their plan. Do you think they've conquered other galaxies before? Or is this their first time crossing that space? Good, good question. Yeah. Either way, the plan is that it's an option mm-hmm. to turn some of these people who might be powerful or special. But she's only special enough to die honorably. Without, yeah. Like getting spit on or something. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what the dishonorable death to a Yuzhan Vong would be. But I don't... I'm not really... I don't want anyone to have to find out. No. That's... Also, the planet's going to be full of storms soon, right? Yeah. From all his little beetle friends. So, like, we're on track, dude. 
He's doing an awesome job. Yeoman Carr's killing it out here. So on and so on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Things are going well for the bad guys. Uh, also, there's more world ships on the way. Yeah. What is a world ship? What does that mean? I don't know. This one had 5,000 bad guys and a brain Yamisk boss tentacle thing. Yeah, like a D&D beholder. More on their way. Cut to Yeoman and another scientist named Garth. (laughs) Outside for repairs on the top of the 100 meter tower. And this guy must be wearing the reddest shirt in the history of science fiction. Because after a two-fingered ninja strike to the throat, our Yuzhan Vong, Yeoman Carr, watches science man Garth's 100-meter, quote, bone-smashing impact. Yeah. The horror story has reached a critical mass here, and it's about to start exploding and spilling over, right? For any American listeners, that's 300 feet. It's very far. Actually, it's about 330. 330, sorry. Don't cut them short. Those three, that's extra three bones. more stories, bro. Yeah, it's extra bones to crush. That's that's 33 floors. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yep. It's not, it's not good. <laughs> he's just, he's dust and vaporized liquid. Ugh, horrible and disgusting. And what a way to die. He it's He like stares into the guy's eyes. He could have kicked him off or something, right? He could have slashed his throat before he fell. He could have done it quicker. But Yeoman Carr was like, I like this. <laughs> oh, I see you struggling and being scared. I like that. Let me cut that rope. Let me pretend like I'm going to cut your throat. So you reach for my knife and then I'm going to psych cut your rope. <laughs> and watch you And fall. then just go, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Splat. Nailed it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> We're about to bubble over here. We're about to launch. Cut to. Danny, Benson, and Cho, other scientists mm-hmm. who I don't care about. They see the massive storm, which is also about to spill over. They see it brewing on the side of the planet from orbit. And they try to call down to the station to warn, but the phone line is still dead. So they leave. <laughs> They're like, hopefully they'll get that message on the answering machine at some point. Cut to Nominor back at... A- Ramamul? Yeah. And Osaria, he's launching missiles across that small space between the the orbit of the two planets. Right? Yeah. Timed it just right so that Mon Cal cruiser isn't going to be in the way or can stop them. Yep. And then let's just blow up the and we're capital gonna, city. And we're going to just uh, turn on the jets until we're visible. And then we're just going to let them coast like pebbles. And then we'll turn on the jets again when we need to enter atmosphere of the other planet. And it'll be too late. Wahaha. <laughs> Namanor is an evil genius with layers upon layers of plans and understanding of everybody's weaknesses that he's going to use against you. Like, Oh, the captain of the Mon Calamari cruiser is like, is a Mon Calamari and they're low numbers in the uh, new Republic Navy right now. So like he's being looked on as though he's like a equal opportunity hire and he doesn't actually (laughs) deserve this opportunity, whatever. Right. He's got all the information to use against you to make sure that his evil plans Go according to his evil plans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it, it works, right? Yep. Blows up the capital city of Osaria. Because Osarian. Osaria Prime. Yes. Because, quote, his job now was distraction. 
Don't let the New Republic look out towards the edge of the galaxy. Keep them busy with crazy shit happening where we're at. Ramamula and Osaria is like a millimeter away from Corellia on the map, yeah. which is like a short jump to the core of Coruscant, right? He is causing trouble very close to the stability center of the government. Yeah. He's doing it. So what is the launch? Well, obviously Danny's ship. The missiles. Yeoman launches murder time. Yeah. <laughs> Nominor's missiles. But no, I think it's the world ships and the war. Yeah, this is the and war the for invasion real. Is launched. Yeah. Like it's on. Things are happening. Chapter eight. Layers. It's <laughs> for all you Shrek fans. <laughs> Luke can feel the lingering war of words between brothers hanging on Jason Solo. So he asks him for his final thoughts on whether or not I should have a Jedi Council. Not sure how those two things are connected. But obviously, he knows they've been, they they butted heads over philosophy. He wants to give him a chance to express his feelings. Mm -hmm. Instead of sitting in this brewing storm from the dweebits. <laughs> yep. Oh, I remembered it. This <laughs> <laughs> is such a fun name, too. I have written too. that down, yeah. <laughs> Okay. He asks him what he wants to do. What should I do with a Jedi Council? And Jason knows who he's talking to. Mm -hmm. But he's going to say it anyway. Quote, Uncle Luke, with all of those harrowing experiences behind him, and despite the obvious trials ahead of him, seemed to Jason to be in a place of spiritual comfort, a place of harmony. Here was this man, the epitome of what it was to be a Jedi Knight. And Jason, though he recognized that truth, meant to argue that very philosophy against him. Unreal. Yeah. Unreal. And as we'll get into in a minute, the, the pride of that. Mm -hmm. The pride of that. I know this is the greatest version of a Jedi that's ever existed, but I'm about to argue with him about how to be a good Jedi. <laughs> the arrogance of the 16-year-old. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. He's got a great deal of respect, and yep. he knows he's done good things and will continue, but... And even in the face of all this that's happening right now, his wife is sick, and the galaxy's never settled, and it never will be, and what what's coming and what's already happened... He's always a steady rock. Yeah. But I'm about to tell him, here's what I think. <laughs> Which is, that has to be okay, right? Yeah. As far as especially like training mm -hmm. and, you can't and be raising a, a child. You can't stuff. be a teacher to someone who doesn't have an opinion. Right. Like you can't teach them. But you know what? There's that pride. And oh, by the way, those politicians that we had a meeting with before, they don't even deserve to speak to us. Mm -hmm. They don't have any... any reason or any standing to tell us what to do at all because we're magic mm -hmm. and luke tells him this is what he says pride and he's trying to teach the 16 year old young man you know can't be easy by the way he's very smart he's very wise for his age and he's got that sweet sweet skywalker blood but luke tells him you're afraid of control you're afraid of people telling you how to be what you think you're supposed to be, right? Yeah. Uh, you, we sat in that meeting with the New Republic Council, and he was like, ah, 
these guys all suck. They shouldn't be telling us anything to do. And which is now he's then projecting onto the Jedi Council, which may or may not come to existence, that they're going to tell me what to do. Instead yeah, of like, we're going to all decide together. Yeah, don't tell me how to live my life kind of deal. Which is, I guess, the teenage perspective. I can't imagine a world where a grown-up would ask me what I want, even though that's happening here. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to assume I, all everybody's going to tell me what to do because I'm 16. But I'm pretty smart. So anyways, Jason is afraid of control. And then I check my notes and then I die of laughter silently. Mm-hmm. And I don't say why. But he doesn't want to be controlled by people less deserving than him. And you know what? Fair. But yeah, pride. Uh, Classic hubris, right? If you will. An elementary tragic flaw of storytelling from forever. You know what's the easiest way to kill a man? Make him think he's better than everyone else. (laughs) Because then everyone else will kill him. It's fine. It's easy. Like, I don't know. It's just, you know. The classic pride before the fall. The hubris of this character. Just saying. And we cut to C-3PO saying, quote, Lady Vader, which is, I guess, a Nogri nickname for Leia? Yes. The greatest criffing title ever given to anyone in the galaxy, even if she's currently rejecting all titles. She doesn't want to be a princess. She doesn't want to be a counselor. She doesn't want to be chief of state. She definitely doesn't want to be Lady Vader. No. None of it. But that's great, right? Yeah. Because, good. yeah, because 3PO is taking over as the bodyguard for this particular moment in time. So he's like, okay, I'm going to call you what they do. She's ditched her special super killer bodyguard. Mm-hmm. Just something to note in case it doesn't go well. She doesn't want to have any titles. And I guess adjacent to that, we get more of this girl power conversation ownership of your life stages and and your body and Mara and Leia talking about like I can have a baby even if I'm 40 and Leia's like I'm done having babies how could you even think about having a baby she's like I'm at a different stage of my life and they're like yeah yeah right yeah we get like the, the feminist equality opinion but it's showing up in 1999 yeah that's when this book is from mm-hmm. it is a this is a bit ahead of its time although the time was a bit behind Yes. <laughs> what should be reality, right? So but, it's actually being written as right where it should be because it was ahead of its time, but the time was behind what it did. Anyways. I mean, it's that makes it twice as far ahead, actually. If you think about it, the general population is further behind than they should have been. And this book is even further ahead than most things were at the time. Yeah. Okay. Double the gap. <laughs> anyways Math. but we have this you know again another scene between Mara and Leia where they're having a heartfelt conversation about important things to women yes you know what they're I mean okay maybe it kind of fails in a way that they're talking about like reproduction and having babies as if that's the most important thing but in the context of her having this illness which I guess is a contrived writing narrative it makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. And it is like a, a, a tablespoon of equality from 1999 that I was just a little surprised by. It tasted like 2020. Yeah. One. What year is it? Yeah. It's, oh, my God. What it's got a bunch year? of twos in it. Well, that's, that's all that matters. Not enough yet. There's about to be more in a few months. Whew. Cut to Han and Chewie in the galaxy's most dangerous bar. But these greatest friends ever have survived worse. 
and we dig up info on what Lando's up to out there on the edge of the galaxy mm-hmm. in a pretty excellent good cop, scary cop interrogation scene. And yes, as we guessed, Lando Calrissian is training smugglers out there in his TIE fighter bumper car resort. But why? To He's training them. And the smugglers want to specifically get away from Jedi. There's a rogue Jedi out there yeah. that's interfering in the smuggling, as we heard about mm-hmm. in that the New Republic Council meeting. So the, the smugglers are like, hey, hey, Lando, let hey. Us, let, can we use your track? I don't even think great. it's the smugglers saying that. I think it's Lando saying, hey, you can come pay me. Oh, that's you know what I mean? It's, probably it's whatever, very true. whatever dimensions of a business deal, but that's what he's doing. And who's out there stopping all this smuggling? Well, it's Kip Durin and the Dozen and Two Avengers. Okay. <laughs> Pretty awesome name for how long and clunky it may be. <laughs> yeah. Kip Durin and the Dozen and Two Avengers. Why? <laughs> and the Two Weeks of Avengers. I don't know. Yeah, I don't oh, know. Oh, it's a pretty good name, though. <laughs> and, oh, just isn't it? A layer of complication mm-hmm. put on top of our family vacation. Oops. Accidentally rhymed. But for real, you know, let's come back to the title of the chapter. Layers. Mm-hmm. Well, here's one. <laughs> You're going out to investigate what's what's happening with the Jedi on the, uh, on the outer rim. What's happening with the smugglers. You're going out to find out what Lando's up to and see what you can do to... I don't know, get some traction into the problems of the universe. But here's a complicating layer, right? And in this chapter, like we, we're also talking about the master-apprentice layer. Yep. That's hung over top of their family dynamic in both instances. Yeah, because there's masters and there's students everywhere. Like, you got both Luke and Mara are the masters of all the the solo kids. Well, and then there's the Jedi and the government overlapping each other and the layers that come with that. Yep. There's there's a lot. Leia talks about all of her history, all of those titles, right? That's layers of her experience over top of her current events, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And then there's, I don't know, a lot of layers, all right? There's lots of them. Yeah. But I'm just really digging the chapter titles. And then something I kind of want to try to remember to do whenever it's relevant, and I think it is this time, is let's not forget to check in with the Yuzhan Vong invasion. And so let's check out the map that we're so generously provided with at the beginning of this book. Let's grab them up. If we look up on the right-hand page up at the very top, you can see Tingle Arm and Belkadan, the very first dot on the outer ridge of the... Edge of the galaxy in this arm of the spiral galaxy. Belkadan is the first planet. And the next dot in is Halska. And then we've got another dot and another dot and another dot and another dot, right? Yep. We've almost got a path and a pattern through this galaxy that the Yuzhan Vong are going to follow. And isn't that just interesting? If we go even further in towards the core on the left-hand side, you can see Ramamul and Osarian are not that far from the core at no. all. Where Naminor already is. The world ship has passed the first dot of the edge, right? Mm-hmm. Into the second dot of the edge. 
But oh my God, if they're not already just a jump away from the core and the coruscant jewel of the New Republic government, right? Yeah. I wonder if we might move a few more dots as we move through this book. Lots of relationship exhibition this week. Mm Mm-hmm. With some sneaky, freaky Yuzhan Vong action. But what's to come? Find out next week when we cover The New Jedi Order, Book 1, Vector Prime, Chapters 9 through 12. Already. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. Pride, Lady Vader. The hubris. The rhythm is going to get you. <laughs> For any comments and questions, you can hit us up at forevercanonpodcast at gmail.com. Forever Canon Podcast is a Jay Plazer production. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Jay Plazer. Check us out.